Thanks for tuning in to The Happiness Playbook, a podcast where we explore the why and how of happiness. I'm your host, Neil Hooper, and I just wanted to remind you that life is a team sport, so let's play together. It's that time of year, hot chocolate, holiday parties, and of course, Christmas movies. Today, we want to extract the principles of happiness out of some Christmas classics you've grown to love and give you an early Christmas present from us here at the Happiness Playbook of these insights. So hold on to your cocoa because here we go. I am delighted to be joined today by the one and only Laurie Florence, founder of Play Theory and producer for the Happiness Playbook. Laurie, Thanks for joining me today. Oh, oh, you're so welcome, Neil. (laughs) The format we're doing is Laurie and I are just going to go through the four play theory principles, and we are going to pick some Christmas classic movies that have great examples of the play theory principles in them, and then listen to some clips and react to those and help you practice examining and observing the play theory principles. So it will be a lot of fun. And we got some good movies in the pipeline, don't we? We do. If we we have half as much fun doing this as we did talking about doing this, it's going to be great. (laughs) Yes. Spoiler (laughs) alert. We're going to be talking in depth about the plots of all of these movies. So if you haven't seen them, feel free to watch them and then come back and enjoy the conversation. Let's start off. I am up to the bat first. So we're going to start with Be Present. And for any new listeners, be present is what it sounds like. It's the ability to focus, to pay attention, to be present in the moment. That is be present. And to illustrate this principle, we wanted to look to The Grinch, which is a classic Christmas story. I love the story of The Grinch for so many reasons and how important it is to ground in the moment to experience joy. This is a principle that you might not even catch on if you're not paying attention, but the Grinch, and there's a few different versions of the Grinch. My personal favorite is actually the most recent animated version with Benedict Cumberbatch. That one is really good. I was I saw that was a little bit leery because I like the old cartoon one. It's hard to right. And, and Jim Carrey has some profoundly funny moments in the live action version. So I was like, how can they how can they make it better? And I, I'm not going to say that it's better, but it's definitely worth watching. It was so enjoyable. Really good. Yes, I totally agree. And who knew Benedict Cumberbatch had such a versatile <laughs> voice? That was okay. amazing. That is my one beef, though. His, his lovely English accent is gone. And, uh, right. <laughs> you know, that's such an attractive, wonderful thing to listen to. Why do we love English accents as Americans? Do the British, if you're listening over there, and the answer to this, please reply and let us know. But do they love American accents or do they prefer how they sound to themselves as well? <laughs> <laughs> that version is really profound. And I think it's in that version where you can really extract this principle because the Grinch, he had such a terrible upbringing. He's in an orphanage and he just really grew to resent Christmas because of his childhood. And he became so fixated on the past and the trauma from his childhood 
that he could not enjoy Christmas at all. So let's listen to a little clip here and then we will react to it. No. No. He walked through the crowd and the sound and the lights and his ears heard the thump of their joy and delight. And it took him right back to his earliest years, to that lost lonely boy who cried all of those tears. That lost lonely boy, isolated and sad, with no home of his own, no mom, no dad. And as the Grinch looked around, he felt downright scared as he remembered that Christmas where nobody cared, where nobody showed, not even a flea. And there were no cards, no gifts, and no tree. And as he watched other kids, one thing became clear, that this was the single worst day of the year. So we see, and it's really sad. This version oh, really pulls at your heartstrings. So sad. They do a really great job of showing his trauma without you know dragging you through it. But everybody's got their past. Everybody has their traumatic stuff they've gone through. And you can really empathize with him here. And it's so interesting because he is there at the Christmas tree lighting and he's having, it's like a flashback and they're showing you the source of that anxiety and trauma and it removes him from the moment and it fuels his, his disdain for Christmas because of that, that trauma and that sad, empty feeling he remembered from his childhood where nobody cared. And I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but I would venture that if this was a real person, he probably wouldn't even be cognizant of that kind of flashback. He'd just be experiencing this anxiety or these feelings at a surface level where he's uncomfortable. And that's why he attaches them to what's happening around him, the Christmas lights and everything. And so he thinks they're what's making him miserable. When in reality, it's this, this past horrible thing. And he just knows this bad feeling. Christmas makes him feel angry and sad. And he might remember those days. But I think being present is one of the things that helps us separate from that past experience because otherwise we bring it all the way through to our present with us. Yes. And it's so hard. And we all do this where we let the trauma from our past take us out of the present and even resent the present if we're not careful. Yep. And the kicker is he was never shunned by the Who's. He chose to not participate because of this dwelling on the past. It's not until later as we fast forward when he's about to, he's robbed all the houses, all the gifts and presents, and he's about to push the sleigh full of gifts over the cliff on Mount Crumpet. And he hears the Who's singing. And this moment is so well done too because getting ready to push the sleigh full of gifts over the edge and he hears the who's singing and he's touched by the holiday spirit or the Christmas spirit. And it's so interesting because 
especially in this version, they emphasize the Grinch being present and how that helps him feel. And it's as he really grounds and he even asks himself, could I feel what she feels? And he's referencing Cindy Lou, who describes the singing to him when they cross paths in the house. And so there's this moment where he stops and he just listens to the singing. And it's only as he's being present, that's when his heart opens and grows two times uh, bigger. That's that's so interesting because instead of being the first, the clip that we shared where he's experiencing the singing, but then going back into these traumatized emotions and his past, he's able to be present with the exact moment where he's at and not bring that all into his moment with him. So he can have a future of his choice rather than bringing this baggage along. Cindy Lou, who actually comes back, and this is another addition in this version that just really I love. Cindy Lou, who comes all the way back up to Mount Crumpet and invites him to dinner. And it's as he becomes vulnerable and opens up that he's able to connect with the Who's. And they have this beautiful Christmas dinner scene that plays out. And again, just to bring it all home, Sometimes our traumas from the past, if we're not careful, can really distract from the present and harden our hearts and and make us close off to the beauty that surrounds us, just as this happens to the Grinch. And we're all Grinchy in our own ways. Mm -hmm. And it's very tempting and comfortable even to dwell on the past and even to pull out the victim card Mm -hmm. and to really re rehash and replay over and over again these terrible things that that might have happened to us but as long as we're reliving the past and feeling sorry for ourselves and not moving on we can't experience the true joy in the moment and that is i think the key takeaway for me yep that's a great example of uh, being present and what's possible that's awesome yes so the grinch a so good one. We other little movie uh, moments like uh, some of them are harder to find, but Home Alone that's a classic. And oh yes, I just think about Kevin, this kid who is experiencing trauma in the moment because he's been abandoned. I don't know how old he is in the movie, but he was able to drill down and be so present that he had the the presence of mind to set up his traps and all the little the, the booby traps and things, and then rather than being an anxious mess and and unable to take action, he was patient, bid his time, or bided his time. And of course it's fictional, but the outcome was hilarious and he was able to take good care of himself. And so that's this little like meta dive on how being present allows you to to take care of yourself and be more powerful in the real time moment. That's fun to think about. I love that. And it goes both ways. I love that you brought that example in because that's anxiety about the future. We talked about the Grinch. That's Uh trauma or or depression, even from our past regret. Both can take you out of the moment, whether you're going into the future or into the past. uh, Both of those can distract. And in the example of Home Alone, he had to perform, right, to really hold it together and defend his house i'm gonna i gotta insert the line now from him where they come to the door and he says this is it (laughs) and he he cocks the gun (laughs) this is it don't get scared now Uh, one more before we leave uh be present just to throw it out there remember frosty the snowman 
what mm. snowman is putting a stake in having a 90-year life? Frosty knew he had limited time on the planet, barely, not even a season, but he was a pretty jolly fellow. And, yes. and so he, I think, would not have been able to do that if he wasn't able to be present and accept where he was. And you know, if he was all worried about melting then or resentful that he was just a, a man made out of snow, he would have not enjoyed any of his life. So another, another is... great play theory moral in our Christmas bonanza of holiday movies. That is awesome. Yes, Frosty the Snowman. Our time is not maybe that limited, hopefully, <laughs> but but the principle applies. We got to make the most of the time we have. Yep. Awesome. Well, that is our Christmas uh, special on Be Present. We have more for you, though. Next up is Let Go and Play, and I'm going to turn it over to Laree. Okay. I bet good money everybody out there knows what movie I'm going to talk about. <laughs> yes, it is Buddy the Elf. Yay, Buddy oh, the Elf. Oh, my goodness. The, the movie, the concept, the story, and Will Ferrell's performance. I don't know how he was able to be playful. He just is a playful person. But I watched this behind the scenes, and we will put a link on that so you can check it out. I think it might be on Netflix, so you might have to be a subscriber to Netflix, but we'll check that out. But if you get a chance, look into how they made it. And I wasn't aware of this, but a lot of the scenes where Buddy the Elf is wandering around New York City, those were just, he, they just threw Will Ferrell in an elf costume and let him loose on the streets. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, there's actually oh. a scene where there's a guy who looks like Santa, but he's in a, a jogging suit, and Buddy comes up behind him and says Santa. And I guess that gentleman was not an actor. He was just on the street, <laughs> and they saw him and made the most of, of the opportunity to let go and play. So they were like oh. and playing as they're making the movie. I wanted to focus on one that I think is more relatable, and that is when Zoe Deschanel's character... Uh, is singing and Buddy the Elf overhears her. She's like in the employee's washroom and is singing in the shower. And later on, he approaches her about, you sing beautifully, you should sing. And she's too embarrassed. She doesn't want to sing. She's uncomfortable. And can we relate to that, not wanting to let go and play? And yes, she's comfortable doing it in the shower where no one's listening or she thinks no one can hear her. But then when somebody else is there, everything changes. And I think that's the gist of let go and play. It's let go of caring what people are going to think and do what makes you happy. With her, it was singing. And when she's in the shower singing, she's letting go and she's doing what is playful and makes her happy singing this beautiful song. But then when she's out in front of other people, she can't let go. And how much more would we get out of life if we were able to really let go of the belief that other people's judgments or condemnations or expectations or anything are really going to affect our ability to feel joy when we're doing something that we love. So that's the one that I wanted to share. And there's a clip that I don't have it in this document, Neil. So, Buddy, he's the epitome of let go and play and just being playful. And it's so interesting because he really does not care what others think and they they play off that a lot in the movie that he's just buddy the elf and you want to be considerate and you never want to be intentionally putting others in uncomfortable situations but there's a balance act there because he has this purpose and and drive he's an elf and his goal and we're going to get to look outward and maybe this is where that would apply too but 
as you really gain that confidence and as you said, not caring what others think and not putting, not allowing others to value your self-worth, to, to put a price tag on your self-worth, that is, I think, a preceding step that allows you to let go and play where that with Buddy, he's just yeah. himself and he's having fun and he wins people over eventually, right? Yeah, and yeah, uh, throughout the movie, wherever he's playing and playful, others are joining in and they're having a lot of fun too. And that has absolutely been my experience. It's truly a gift when we let go of our self-consciousness and are playful and invite others to join in. So you want to play this clip where he's inviting Zoe Dachanel's character to uh, trying to convince her of the merit of letting go and singing in this case. Yeah, let's roll it. Thanks, but I don't sing. Well, it's easy. It's just like talking, except louder and longer, and you move your voice up and down. I can sing, but I just choose not to sing, especially in front of other people. If you sing alone, you can sing in front of other people. There's no difference. Actually, there's a big difference. No, there isn't. Wait. I'm singing. I'm in a store, and I'm singing. I'm in a store, and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. See? That is awesome. It's so fun. It's just an interesting thing to be aware of what it is you're not letting go of. What are you hanging on to that's keeping you from letting you go and playing? And Buddy's a great example. And again, we don't want to give too much of the movie away if you haven't seen it, but if you haven't seen it, heavens, just pause and go watch it right now. Yeah. Um, later on, the singing becomes more important because there's this moment where it's pivotal to the plot that this crowd starts to sing. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But Zoe Dachanel, or Zoe Dachanel, as she has hung out with Buddy and experienced and watched him letting go and playing, she now in this moment has gained the courage but he's no longer with her in this moment. He's doing something else. But she recognizes this need to get the crowd singing and she steps in and helps out. So let's listen to that one. Yeah, perfect. Let's roll it. He's making a list, checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. I, I love that scene there at the end, too, because, again, you can see people who were really the shakers and movers in society were the ones willing to let go and play. I like to think if you're so busy, worried about defining and identifying the box, you're never going to break free of it. And culturally, we always celebrate those who stepped out of the box and stepped onto it to new and greater heights. Yes, said. And that is definitely the lessons we learn here about Let Go and Play from Buddy the Elf. Yeah. There's one more movie I think that you got to talk just a little bit about 
which is Nightmare Before Christmas. And you are a big fan of this and you're an inspiration to me to step out of my comfort zone and to explore and to be open, which is another way of summarizing own play. And if you think about Jack from The Nightmare Before Christmas, he was out exploring and then he came across something unknown or new. And rather than shutting the door, being frightened, which maybe he should have, but (laughs) (laughs) he explored and he stepped out of the comfort zone and he tried new things and new relationships were formed and a great story was told and people grew and were better for it. And the inherent curiosity of the song, What's This? When he's going through the town and just exploring for the first time a snowflake and all these things. I think curiosity is such a powerful ingredient as well to let go and play that we see there with The Nightmare Before Christmas, for sure. I love that. That's a powerful word. That's something to hang on to is curiosity. If you think about where children have it and where individuals start to Uh, lose it or they no longer are interested and the growth and development slows down exponentially. I think those that maintain curiosity are the ones who really grow and progress in very powerful ways. So that is a very good nugget there. Yeah, yeah, that is like a life spring. That's right. Oh, life spring from Jack Skellington. That's (laughs) ironic. (laughs) But We got two more principles here to cover. Next up is accept and build. And accept and build, again, if you're tuning in for the first time and learning the principles, that has to do with validating the offers that come your way, whether from people or life in general, and then building upon those offers and and turning them into something even better. And so accept and build is a very powerful principle. And there were a lot of examples that we could have looked to, but we're going to narrow in on Disney's The Santa Claus. And as you may recall, the film starring Tim Allen showcases the journey of an ordinary guy assuming the role of Santa Claus. So a fun take on a classic story. But the lead character, Scott Calvin, is actually going through a nasty divorce which is a very interesting element they included. And this is just a constant source of contention throughout the movie as he navigates visitation rights with his son and simultaneously steps into the role of Santa Claus. And that's, I think, the beauty here and where we really see this principle come into play is he's resisting this new call to be Santa Claus. And he's not only resisting that, but you can obviously see he's resenting the divorce and everything that means and how it's impacting his relationship with his son. And so it's really neat as we develop through the movie and he really begins to embrace, to to accept not only his role as Santa Claus, but to really just accept the situation of the the divorce and everything going on with um, his family, as he accepts it, he not only is able to build his new life and really grow into that role of Santa, but he's actually able to build a much better relationship with his son and his ex-wife and even her new man that's in her life now. And there's this beautiful monologue at the end that we want to play for you now where he he goes into this. So let's listen to that. 
I think it's a much better idea that you stay here with your mom and Neil. Really? But, Dad... No buts, Charlie. I can't be selfish. I can't be with you all the time. We're a family. You, me, your mom, and Neil. And they need to be with you, too. I love you, son. Oh, wait. And don't go yet. I have something for you. It's Santa. It's, um, it's my Christmas present for you. It's the, um, it's the custody papers. I want you to come and see Charlie as often as you can. You can count on it. Thanks, Laura. Merry Christmas. So again, we see as we stop resisting the trials, the new opportunities in this case as well, that come our way as we really accept those and then build upon them, we are able to take even a, an undesirable situation and really redirect that even and turn it into something much more beautiful. Yeah. They say there's a saying, when God closes a door, he opens a window. And it's a great example of, oh, I love yeah, that. his marriage ended, but there was a window that opened so he could continue to have this relationship and he has a new role. Santa Claus is a pretty boss role. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I love the idea of acceptance because in this principle, we have to take the action and it's up to us. It rests squarely upon our shoulders to take that step. There's lots of movies, like I mentioned, that uh, we could also touch on. There's the classic animation, stop animation, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, where he accepts his glowing nose and used it for good. And it's worth noting in the beginning, they're trying to hide his nose and make him feel ashamed, but it's only in embracing it and stepping up to the plate and capitalizing on his shining nose that they're able to save Christmas. So there's another example. All right. One more principle to extract here and a great Christmas classic. Larie, tell us about Look Outward. I have heard some people say they haven't seen this movie because they consider it too old-fashioned. I'm just like, stop that. Snap out of it. Boo. (laughs) I know. You just need to go watch It's a Wonderful Life. And if you're still not sure, watch something that talks about, maybe we'll find a link and put it backstage about how this movie came to be. And it's just, it's a wonderful backstory. I won't go into that, but it's a treasure that we have this movie. And Jimmy Stewart, who does a wonderful job, portraying the protagonist it goes it it's shows us a moment in his life when he's a young boy or a young man he's working at the druggist the pharmacist shop and that man's name is Mr. Gower and it's apparent through a, a verse looking or from Jimmy Stewart's character seeing a telegram that has come and Mr. Gower's behavior that Mr. Gower's son has just been killed in the war. And Mr. Gower isn't right in his head. He's obviously really upset. And Jimmy Stewart's character, George Bailey, realizes that the, the pharmacist has sent the wrong drugs to a family in need, and he realizes that they could be poisoned. And he takes the fall. So we're gonna share that clip with you really quickly. 
Well, it really brain advice of capsules. I feel... Didn't you hear what I said? Yes, sir, I... What kind of tricks are you playing with? Well, why don't you run into the living room right away? Don't you know that boy's very sick? Hey, Henry, my sword here. You lazy loafer. Such a coward. You don't know what you're doing. You put something wrong in those capsules. I know you're really me. You got the telegram and you're upset. You put something bad in those capsules. It wasn't your fault, Mr. Gower. Just look and see what you did. Look at the bottle you took the bottle from. It's poison. I know you feel bad. Oh. Don't do my story again. Oh, no, Don't do no, my no. story again. Oh, George. George. Oh, Mr. Gower, I would never tell anyone. I know you're feeling. I would have felt so good to die, I would. Oh, that's a tough one to watch because oh, yeah. George, he's just trying to be helpful. He is looking outward. He's able to recognize that Mr. Gower's in pain. And so he's willing to um, be more patient when Mr. Gower is angry and actually hitting him. And it's just a beautiful example of George, even at a young age, being able to recognize this man's very real deep need and watching out for him and then watching out for that family that how would they have felt if they'd gotten the wrong medication and possibly died and then how would Mr. Gower have felt again the druggist if he was responsible for killing a family he could have gone to jail so the wonderful thing about this it's like this little taco of look outward play theory because it's this, this cosmic wraparound because and and obviously the writers have done a beautiful job but later on at the end of the movie when George Bailey is in dire straits, he is in need of some funding and some money to come through. And it's a beautiful moment. It's a wonderful moment in the <laughs> Wonderful Life movie where the townspeople rally behind him. And, and at this moment, someone shows up and says, quiet, everyone, there's a telegram. And uh, I'm, let's just play it, and then I'll talk about it after. Yes. Okay, let's roll it. Now get this, it's from London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash, stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000, stop. Oh. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Did you catch that? It's a little hard to follow, and the first few times that I watched the movie, I didn't put two and two together, but this person comes in and announces that when Mr. Gower, who is now an old man, heard that George Bailey needed help, he telegraphed a former resident of the community that was an old friend named Sam Wainwright, who had become quite wealthy, and asked or let him know that George Bailey needed help. And Sam Wainwright then replied saying, you've got up to Back in their day, it would have sounded like millions, but $25,000. And so what a beautiful thing that here, Mr. Gower had the opportunity to look outward and do what was within his power that, to then help out George Bailey. I just love that. That's oh. a special moment for me. I always cry. I always tear up. The thought of people not watching, anyone going through life and not uh, watching this movie is really sad to me because I think there are... 
It, it really is so... If I put together Life 101 as a course that everyone was required to take, this would be wow. a part of the curriculum. It, you should do. <laughs> uh, it, you can do it. Put together curriculum. Okay. Yeah, I will do. I'll put together the curriculum. I love how George Bailey, he did the right thing, and he looked outward even when he knew that Mr. Gower wasn't maybe going to be understanding, and he wasn't initially. And that can be really hard. Those moments are hard to look outward when you're not going to be understood, when there's lots of opposition, and but you got to do what's right. And I love that example here because he does make the courageous decision, even though it cost him, at least initially, in that moment. And so that, I think, is very powerful, too. Oh, it's so true. And that that is some real amazing force behind this principle of looking outward. It gives you courage. And I I think for me, it's because when I am looking outward, even when it's in the face of something, and I've had to make some tough decisions, and this principle has saved me because I don't go back and second guess and think, oh, should I have done this or did I do it right? Because I can go back and say, I know I was looking outward at the other person's best interest. And then even if my efforts were rejected, like George Bailey's were in that that first clip, I can know that my intentions were aligned with my core beliefs of my, my authentic self and wanting to help the other person. And even if I got it wrong, even if I did the absolute worst thing in that scenario because I misjudged things, I can still rest that I was thinking of the other person. And so it's a, it's a great way to encourage yourself to take the step to do those things that might take boldness beyond what you really feel because you're thinking about that other person. And to have that as a guiding compass is just a game changer as well. I I love also how evident it is, not that this is a reason or should be an objective in looking outward, but your net worth is not as powerful as your net work. And when you see all the lives that George Bailey impacted in such a positive way and how they all come through for him in the most dire of circumstances, it's just such a powerful reminder of how important it is to build relationships and especially through looking outward and serving others and being there for them, just what a safety net that is for you throughout life. And I can attest to that in my own life, how many countless times I have been saved, maybe not in as dramatic a fashion as George Bailey, but certainly in dire circumstances because of previous times where I I had the courage to look outward and be there for people. And then that karma came back for me. And so that was just such a beautiful moment in this film. It's wonderful because in different cultures, you can call it a parable of Christ where cast your bread upon the water. It will come back. You can call it karma. There's all kinds of other ways of labeling this idea that when we put ourselves out there for another person, it's going to be compensated often in ways that are larger than what we initially, our initial investment was. And I, I really have seen that so many times. And this is one of the principles that people consistently will return to me and, and thank me for introducing them to, or share an experience where they have been completely convinced of the authenticity of, of this idea. So yeah, Christmas, it's a wonderful time because I think we the season invites us to look outward. We're buying gifts for the other person. And sometimes it's all about what am I going to get for Christmas? But I think the most joy and satisfaction comes when we're 
thinking about the other person. And I just have to end on uh, the Look Outward movie with Frosty the Snowman, going back to that. It's a trite little tale. It's ridiculous. It's a snowman. But what a beautiful little message that when Karen, who is Frosty's little friend, it becomes too cold and it looks like she's not going to survive the cold. Frosty is willing to go into the greenhouse because he knows it will save Karen's life. And you know, he makes that sacrifice and he does it willingly. And we, we have that warm, wonderful feeling because I think we understand the truth of that principle of looking outward rather than trying to grasp, take and uh, hold on to whatever we can get for ourselves. That's the source of true joy and happiness. Oh, that's such a good example. And I love look outward. I love that it's the last principle that we talk about because it's such a powerful one. And this time of year, it's all about giving. And I think look outward is just such a natural, such a natural principle to talk about as we look to give gifts and, and to sacrifice our comforts to hopefully lift the spirits of others. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's awesome. Laurie, this has been so fun so insightful and I love getting on here to just dive into these amazing principles of happiness. We've really just scratched the surface though on all these principles in these movies. So we really hope people will step up and share so we can maybe talk about next year. We can talk about the ideas that they found. Yes. I love that. As you can see, these principles are everywhere. And we found some examples in Christmas movies, but we want you, as Larice said, to keep your ears to the ground, open your minds and hearts and see and observe where they are in your life and then share those examples because we're all about practicing the skill of happiness here on the Happiness Playbook. And life is a team sport and we are so glad to have you on the team. Larie, I am so glad to have you on my team. Thank you for joining me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I always love talking about play theory, especially with you, Neil. Merry Christmas to everyone. Have happy holidays and we will catch you next week for a very fun and unique episode of the Happiness Playbook. So stay safe, stay happy. We'll catch you next week.